The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. I am from home today. Uh, we had some audio issues, so no, no Rotowire background for me today if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, but James, we are a few hours out from our main event. I can't wait to share that with you, my friends. Uh, looking forward to it. We'll just just be doing a call. I'm not. We're not going to meet up today, but uh, can't wait. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Did did my first main last night, and that that was pretty painless by main event standards. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I was listening to Rob Silver on the Launch Angle podcast yesterday. You should always listen. Or maybe it was two days ago. You should always listen to Rob Silver when you can. But um, he was mentioning that for his mains, he kind of plots out pick by pick. You know, who he'd have as his top choice, his preferred choice in each of the 30 rounds. So I figured I'd do something similar. And so I went through and, you know, we're picking 13th. So I kind of had like Lucas Giolito and then maybe some backups. 
and then just went pick by pick. And I was looking at the main event uh, ADP and looking at the max pick, min pick, and whatnot as I was trying to make my guesses. Um, I talked myself into those being realistic at each round, but now I'm starting to realize those probably a lot of them probably aren't. And frankly, probably like what three of those picks I have in the sheet are realistic. I no, I see. I thought you were going the other direction. I think you went too far the other direction. I think you were oh, like wow. pushing. I think you were pushing guys up ahead of where we need to take them in in a lot of cases. But oh wow, okay. I just I know you took you took Chapman in the fourth yesterday, right? Because I had him as a fifth round target, Aroldis Chapman. I think you have if you want if you want Hendricks, Hater, or Chapman. I think you have to probably plan on getting him in the fourth. Um, Chapman Chapman might go to that that turn that four or five turn but uh we just took him because um that was just kind of how we wanted to build and there were plenty of guys we liked in the fifth but not so many that we liked that were still left in the fourth i hear you man i i just felt like maybe i was looking too much at the max pick and was a little too optimistic but you think maybe i was jumping two guys a little too aggressively okay yeah i think i, I mean i think well, because it's a it's a fine line because you you definitely I think you and I both agree we want to get our guys, but you don't want to take them where there's like a seventy to eighty percent chance that you get them they the next would last round. a couple more rounds, you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I, I mean, it would it would certainly be tough to miss out on a top target uh, by playing that game but i think it you know if you're trying to win the main event i think you want to just try to maximize as much value as you can on your your roster Hmm. well i'm looking forward to it man i I think this is the third main event i've done it's a different beast you know you you think you know how things are going to play out but then you uh you know everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth and that's kind of how it goes um we'll see who's there at 13 but it'll be be very interesting uh, this main, but um, one guy who I had on our target list, Andrew Vaughn, he's still in camp, but I was a little surprised to see Alex Kirilov sent down. He um, has been struggling this spring, but did you, did you see that coming? I, I kind of didn't. I think if you'd told me he was, he had like a 450 OPS in spring, I would have predicted he'd get sent down. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I expected him to, scuffle that much but i think that gives any team a pretty ironclad excuse to send a guy down and manipulate their service time but i think he'll be back up in in short order nice well the nl central prospects from your march 18th article are going to be the main topic of conversation today but i did want to ask you about kirilov any other prospects on your mind any other risers that you want to mention before we dive into the nl central not not really. I mean, I, I saw we have a note up saying Andrew Vaughn's going to probably break camp. So, I mean, that, that'll be an interesting one to see, sort of see where he goes tonight. I mean, I, Todd and I got him last night, uh, but I think that was maybe before that news. And even when something seems kind of obvious, the NFBC drafters really – uh adjust um really you know aggressively when something gets sort of reported and there's like actually news even if it even if it did look pretty obvious so 
Um, yeah, Andrew Vaughn's ADP probably, probably can't read too much in Andrew Vaughn's ADP at this point. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, I'm totally with you. That'll be interesting to see. If we want him, we might have to get, get aggressive and jump him tonight. Uh, I will just mention, too, I was listening to, again, the Rob Silvers and Jeff Zimmerman's and Van Lee's um, launch angle pond. They were talking about India, and I was a little surprised to hear it sounded like Rob was kind of in on India. So, you know, and in a 15-teamer, maybe I'll have to ring, ring your arm to, to get India on the club. Also, uh, Amir Garrett. You've got. You're, Amir you're, you're doing your own solo main, though, so that might be the spot for you to go get India. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The bench options get a little thin, though. Randy Dobnak's the guy I want to try to get. Um, Randy's, you know, huge ground ball guy, then now he's striking guys out. That's, that's pretty nice. But yeah, I mean, it, once you get to the. I mean, the end of your bench, you'll still sign, find somebody you kind of like and you can talk yourself into, but. Um, yeah, maybe I will consider India. We don't have to go that route. I won't, I won't make you, but let's get into this NL central prospects. You need to know farm futures. This was from May, I'm sorry, March 18th. So we are going back a a few days, uh, but we'll start with the Cubs. Brennan Davis, the top prospect here for you. Christian Hernandez to Ed Howard, uh, the third, he was a 2020 draftee and then Hernandez, a 2020 J2 guy. So they've kind of, you know, Theo's gone, but they are kind of in, having an influx of talent here and are already building for that next uh, that next wave of, of competitiveness. Yeah, I mean, Theo made some trades that I'm sure a lot of Cubs fans regret over the years, but he also left the farm system in, in really good shape. And, uh, I mean, this is – it's it's definitely on the short list of, I think, most fun farm systems – uh, if you're if you're a fan of a team, because you know most systems, there's like maybe one guy or, or two guys if you're lucky that you can really kind of dream on. But the Cubs have like a half dozen up the middle stud position players who are you know three four years away, but uh, they're all just incredibly high upside, uh, exciting players that could really pop. Um, so I, I think this farm system could be one of the best in the game in, in about a year. And in about five, six years, I think the, the Cubs uh, could have uh, another juggernaut on their hands. That's uh, not what you want to hear as a fan of any other team in this division. But, yeah, props to, to them winning a ring. And then, yeah, before Theo exited, did a good job restocking here. Ed Howard, I, f- I find myself missing out on in these um, – yeah, keeper redraft, keeper drafts that I'm doing, you know, where most top prospects are kept, but as 2020 guys, they're, they're still there. Um, the upside on Howard seems pretty high, but is he going to hit hit enough, you think? Obviously, we don't have anything to gauge. We don't have any way to gauge his progress so far since he went in last June's draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know exactly where the hit tool is going to land or where the, the game power is going to land, but I... I really like his swing. I really like his bat speed. Um, he's a no doubt shortstop, which is nice. Like a lot of the times the guys who are no doubt shortstops are really, really light hitting, especially from the prep ranks. But uh, Howard, I think could be a 25 Homer guy who hits 
over 270 and plays every day and maybe chips in like eight to 10 steals. So, um, you know, he's, he's got a, in my opinion, he's got a pretty high floor by prep hitter standards. I mean, none, none of them really have high floors, but from that draft class, like I, I feel pretty decent about Howard at least getting to the majors and having a, a fairly prominent role. You mentioned that bat speed, and as you were talking, I kind of circled back to your note that you wrote when Howard was taken. So back on June 10th, you noted that his bat speed ranked in the 98th percentile, his maximum exit velocity ranked in the 94th percentile in his class, according to Perfect Game. So that's uh, very interesting. I wonder how they measure bat speed. You, you'd think like baseball savant stack guys would have a bat speed type of measurement. Well, they they definitely could if they thought people cared i just don't think like i think that's that's more of like a scouting thing that i guess yeah like big leaguers i mean you're getting i think most people would just rather have exit velocity than bat speed because it's it's kind of telling you sort of the same thing true true but that's those are very encouraging marks for ed howard um but yeah and then uh, the top pitching prospect braylon marquez he is listed among the players we could see in 2021 here and he's, in fact, the first name. So with that staff, you think they're going to need some innings from Marquez this year? Well, I mean, he debuted last year, so I just kind of – you you would have to assume that he's got a chance to get back this year. I, I think he's got a ton of relief risk. I do not think he's a safe starting pitcher by, by any stretch, even if he stays healthy. Uh, command is is pretty shaky, and the secondary pitches like it, I mean, it's the big selling point is just that he's a he's a lefty who can touch triple triple digits with his fastball. So you kind of assume that he, you know, he he provides value in some role, and even if it's in the bullpen, like he he has a very high ceiling as both a starter and a reliever. But I think the you know the best bet is that four or five years down the road, he's probably moved to the bullpen. Nice. By the way, I'm just seeing on Twitter that uh, Tariq Skubal officially named to the the uh, opening day roster. Can I ring your arm for Skubal tonight? Yeah. No, I, I put him – we both have him down um, for around the same range, I think. So. Uh, I mean, he's kind of – I hate that context, obviously, for that team, but um, – I think, he, you know, as a streamer, he could be pretty nice. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, about I mean, I, I think you, you probably, at, at this point, you probably have to draft him as maybe a little bit more than a streamer and a 15-teamer. But maybe. I, I mean, I think that you're drafting him for the strikeouts, really, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's no there's no perfect starting pitcher in, that's going around pick 315. True. Now, back to the NL Central. I just saw that, and I thought it mentioned it uh reginald preciato a 2019 j2 guy what can you tell us about preciato i love that name i mean i want the, yeah I want he's him uh, on the reds he's bigger uh he's not not really much of a runner but i mean he gets kind of the the super lazy and high in the sky like manny machado type of comps and stuff like that um so oh, just you Manny know, Machado, that's nice. bigger bodied left side of the infield guy who could hit for power and hit for average and uh was obviously the big 
key piece, the headlining piece in the Udarvish trade. Now, one guy who may or may not go tonight, I don't really know, but uh, not somebody I've been in on in mixed leagues, Adbert Alzale. He's uh, still technically a prospect. You have him down at 12th in this organization, so behind quite a few others. But among the pitchers, it looks like he's only behind uh, Braylon Marquez in this organization. So you look at Alzale and have any interest in a mixer? He is a streamer to me, uh, but you probably have to draft him in a 15-teamer. Uh, I I think there's at least a 50% chance he ends up in the bullpen. Um, command and third pitch aren't that great. He's got pretty electric, like fastball slider is pretty electric, uh, but I... You know, I, I think he's a guy where there's going to be some growing pains. Like if, if you if you look at his stats at the end of this season, I, I think there'll be some some great starts and some really bad outings. So uh, not not a guy that I'm targeting in redraft. Nice. Yeah, I hadn't really been either. But no, we, one of my you know, maybe not preferred, but one guy I had on my list among streamers, Stephen Brault's now out in extended career. So maybe I'll pivot to uh Adbert Alzale when things are getting really hairy there at the end. Hey, anything else you want to mention with this uh Chicago system? You you mentioned 30 players, so uh we were barely scratching the surface here, but we uh can't spend too much time on them. Anybody else you just want to spotlight though quickly? Um you know, I think Corey Abbott probably debuts in maybe get some spot starts or maybe just moves into the rotation towards the end of the year. And I think he's a much better bet than Alzale to be a starter long-term, even if he can't really match Alzale's best couple pitches. I think he's a starter all the way, but probably more of like a number four, number five type. So it could be talking about him in the same vein as like Alec Mills a year from now. Very nice. Well, before we move on to the Reds, as everybody's been waiting for, a quick word from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Fantasy baseball is here. You've got to check out these new best ball leagues on Underdog. Best ball is the ultimate test of your live draft skills. Since there's no in-season management, that's right. Draft your team and Underdog automatically credits you with your best performing players every week. You don't need to play the waiver wire or worry about trades. It's just the draft. Who doesn't love drafting an underdog best of all? You can draft as many times as you want because you don't have to do any roster management, saving you loads of time. Underdog's best ball leagues are drafting right now, starting at just $3. Once the season starts, Underdog also has daily fantasy and an all-new Pick'em game. Go download the Underdog app now to get in on some best ball before the season starts. Enter promo code ROTOWIRE with your first deposit, and Underdog will honor a money-back guarantee during your first month, love Underdog or get your money back with promo code ROTOWIRE. Search Underdog in your app store and enter promo code ROTOWIRE. So, James, next up, the Reds. Now, I've seen people comment on the pod saying we talk too much Reds. But we, we uh, I remember also then once we we breezed over the Reds and people somebody was mad. So um, we'll, we'll give them their fair shake of time but not spend too much time on them. Uh, Reese Hines, your number one prospect. I actually took Austin Hendrick over Reese Hines and staff keeper one just because, you know, I f- fell in love with the raw power. But Reese Hines, you like more as a, a more well-rounded player. 
No, I honestly, I think he's just a better version of Hendrick. Like I think okay. both of them have massive power and Hines probably even has more power. And then they come with the hit tool concerns and Hines, uh, impressed with his hit tool, uh, relative to expectations and instructs and we're kind of still waiting to see uh on austin hendrick so i i just think they're both very risky they both have huge power and i just feel a little bit better about heinz good to know i didn't i hadn't seen that about instructs that heinz was making some some progress in that regard that's good to hear uh but yeah hendrick i, t- I tweeted you when i took him that plate level bp vid and that's just um it's just catnip to me. I can't can't resist it. Uh, Hunter Green too. You know he had that outing where he was getting the pitching ninja treatment. People were like, okay, I'm in on Green, but he actually he didn't look good in that. I was wondering, did you watch the rest of that outing? Because he's like he threw a slider early in the count to to Jose Iglesias that was just hanging over the plate, and Iglesias took it for a homer. So aside from the fastball hitting 93. Uh, there was not much else for me to take away positively, and the fastball even looked pretty straight, and, and people were, you know, not whiffing on the fastball. So I look at Hunter Green as being, you know, quite quite a bit of ways away, and I'm not really any more in on him than I was before I saw him on the field this spring. Yeah, man, he's he's a uh, really really risky and probably one of the more overrated prospects out there just because of the name value and like he's he's, yeah he's the type of guy where if you don't really follow prospects that closely like you might still think he's just this awesome like phenom and he he is really talented but uh you know like like you alluded to i mean the fastball's got velocity it doesn't really have anything else uh, going for it and then the secondaries are way behind the command is way behind and obviously durability a huge issue whether you can handle a starter's workload a huge issue so uh there there's really a lot more working against him than working for him at this point and uh you know if i had him in a dynasty league and you just told me that he was going to be the reds closer in like four years i would i would take that happily yeah i mean that that Seems like probably the the most logical fit for him. Uh, we'll see if he makes it as a starter. They're going to give him a fair shake. But, I mean, with the stuff, with the, the lack of command and the lack of secondaries, it does seem like that's uh, likely. Jose Garcia, we just saw sent down. That made sense. He really struggled last year. Nick Lodolo's your fifth-ranked prospect here for the Reds. Uh, Lodolo... I know you've kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say like you've soured on him, but you have kind of bumped him down a little bit. Obviously we have that prospect ranking history. It looked like he peaked around October, 2020, and he's been, you know, steadily declining since. Why is that? Uh, just really bad reports on him from like uh, the alt site. And um, just, he never, like I, I kind of was hoping that the driveline guys would kind of coax the extra velo out of him because he had been like, he's one of the more projectable, like physically projectable college starters that you'll see where it was like six, six two fifteen when they drafted him. Uh, but that, you know, the fastball, if anything, from what I've read has backed up a little bit. And so, uh, 
you know, I think the the fear when they drafted him was that there wasn't a ton of upside there, and you could maybe talk yourself into there being some upside if, if he got a little bit more velo on the fastball, but uh, starting to seem like he's more of like a number four, number five type of guy, unless something about the profile changes. In India, you kind of shrugged off as a mixed league uh, bench option, so you kind of you bumped him up a little bit, I believe, right? But you're still skeptical on on India. Well, I, I haven't bumped him up yet. He will be bumped up on the the big update that's coming next week. Uh, like he'll be ahead sure. of Green, Garcia, and Lodolo on the next update, so he'll be third in the system. Um, I you know I don't. I'm I'm not. I mean I I wouldn't be upset if we took him with like our last pick or second to last pick, but. I just don't know exactly what the fantasy um, goodness here is really going to be. Like he's not going to run. He's maybe more, maybe more OBP than average. So like, I I think he's a a fine guy to have in dynasty because he is so close to the majors and he does seem to be trending up offensively relative to where he was. But I still just, you know, he's a, he's a non top 100 prospect uh, who's going to be, you know, maybe getting his feet wet against big league pitching. So I don't really expect him to hit the ground running. Yeah, I hear you. So if we're getting late in this thing, I turn to you and say India versus Josh Rojas. Are you interested in either of those guys? Because I, you know, Alex well, Chamberlain, I, I have the Alex Chamberlain uh, appealing to authority with him on Rojas a little bit. Um. Well, I, I mean, I would definitely take Rojas over India uh, okay. because I think I think Rojas could steal some bases, but um, not a guy you're really interested in, in either. Well, I just don't know where where you have to take Rojas. I I would take yeah. him if we're taking him in like the reserve round. I would take him. I oh I yeah, yeah. I can't remember where he's going though. I feel like he's probably going ahead of there, but I, I might be wrong about that. No, he's he's buried by ADP, which is kind of interesting. He just has had a great spring and. Uh, we'll see. I took him actually in a 12 team uh, that when I went extreme stars and scrubs and that, that tout wars head to head. I took a chance on Ha Young Kim, but then I didn't realize at the time quite the struggles he's had the spring Kim. So then I took like pro far and then Rojas just so I could, you know, have some security at middle infield and, and probably probably drop Kim, honestly, just given how things are trending with him. Uh, that conversion's gone. Uh, not, not well, so great. I mean, that's why I was low on him is like he's Here. he's one of those players where all it was going to take for his value to crater was for him to just be bad for like the first month against big league pitching. And yeah. like, no, everyone's just going to be out at that point. Like nobody's going to give a guy like that the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, he'll he'll come around. So, True. you know, if anything, there might be a buy low opportunity coming up on him. But it's just. You know, if if you take a guy like Nick Gonzalez or Zach Veen or someone like that instead, their their value's not gonna go crashing down based on anything they do in their first month because it's gonna be down in in the minors and they're gonna be playing every day and and all that stuff. But when you do it in the big leagues and then you just kind of get relegated to a bench role, like nobody really wants you at that point. Yeah, that's perfectly put. I, you know. Uh, do you remember how early he was going in early drafts? Like even in a Roadwire magazine box, like 
just be given the MLEs, people were excited. But now yeah. it's like he's, you know. Well, they they kind of, they depressed his value even before he started playing in games by bringing Profar back and, like, all the moves to kind of make it clear that he was going to be kind of a part-time player. True, true. Now, the last guy I'll ask you about here, you can mention any other players here in the system if you want, but Tyler Stevenson seems to be making strides defensively, which is big, but of course, Tucker Barnhart's still a gold glove defender, so I'm interested to see how the playing time split shakes out. Uh, I have grabbed Stevenson a few places, but then you know, then I, I remember I grabbed him in TGFBI, but then I took Edwin Diaz later. And I'm thinking maybe I plug in Diaz and just maybe I drop Stevenson during this first fab run. Uh, spring training, he hasn't done much damage at all. He's actually only got one extra base hit this spring, Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, I think he's he's more of kind of a wait-and-see, waiver-wire type of guy to me in like a 15-teamer where you could, you could definitely see – scooping him up if he gets going and starts playing a bit more but i there's other you know I, i'd rather take ryan jeffers over him or something like that jose de leon is another name i'll mention just because he, he's on your list here he's 13th in the system for you um i know the pet the shine has faded big time but i think they're going to need him to eat some innings so i'll just mention you know deep leagues maybe if you're looking at us in, in the streaming range with one of your last reserve picks in a 15 What's his role going to be? Because I, I, I you've, you've probably been following him closer than I have. I think because of how many innings he's logged, he'd probably be best suited at to start. And then you'd maybe have Antone come in and piggyback or or um, Michael Lorenzen. Although Lorenzen's hurt. So I, I don't know. It may just be injuries that dictate him in the, in the rotation we, right away. Does that mean we're – are we off TJ Antone tonight? Hell no. You kidding me? Okay. Well, no, I, I actually am buying the dip because he's hurt, too. If he slips at all, I mean. Because I, I sort of I assumed that we were going to end up with him, but I, I know he's banged up and the role is kind of unclear. The thing I actually kind of like about him is because that role is unclear, and if he's in the bullpen, it kind of makes it so you just kind of plug that spot up in a, in a you know one of your nine pitching spots and you just leave him be. Um. I don't know. I think he's kind of that good to where you can do that. He's kind of like, is he going to be? Reliever. Is he going to be healthy for for opening day? Like he's not going to open on the IL or anything. I think they're hoping he's ready for opening day, but still, still iffy. Because that would that would be nice because like it's it's really tough to get nine pitchers who you could get something out of for that first lineup period in NFBC because most teams only have those three games. And so you're inevitably going to take a starting pitcher who's not one of his team's first three starters. So you need to have that many relievers to plug in. So if if he, if he were going to be healthy, that would be a a pretty nice um, ability to just kind of plug, plug and play right away. Yeah. I love that idea. Plus, you know, we're going to be funneling so many guys in, we're going to be having to manage so many pitchers, just having a guy there that you could just kind of, you know, I'm not saying he's Josh Hader, but kind of like that guy early Hader career where you just plug him in. Even like Corbin Burns last year when he wasn't starting. Remember that he was like piggybacking with Brett Anderson. And or maybe, I mean, like maybe a, the hmm. maybe the better comp is like Freddie Peralta in like past seasons. Yeah, I like that too. Are, are we gonna end up with Freddie tonight? I put him up pretty high. And, <laughs> 
on my preferred list. I have no. I mean, I, he's a he's a total wild card in terms of where you got to take him. Yeah, because I I know his like his ADP's obviously gone up. Uh, it hasn't gone. I mean, the amount of noise I see on Freddie on Twitter, like you would think that he was now going inside the top like 150, but uh, he's he's not. So uh, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, I mean, I had him a little, maybe a little too high. I'm I'm kind of interested in Freddie this year. Uh, maybe we don't have to force the issue quite as high as the 11th round where I had him slotted. Uh, we'll see. I um I'm interested to see too if tonight. Like, did you hear about those? wind aided homers yesterday like uh the brewers hit three off bueller and police gave up four wonder if those guys' prices are uh they slip a little bit tonight i think maybe the room's a little too smart for that but in other leagues maybe um yeah i just saw like the brewers were teeing off on bueller and it's like the wind was whipping out but anyway anybody else uh before we move on to the brewers no, I think we did a, a tight a tight 15 minutes on the Reds. I think that's probably good. <laughs> yeah, that should suffice. Uh, Hedbert Perez, your top-ranked prospect here in this Brewer system. He was a 2019 J2 guy. Uh, what can you tell us about what you've heard? It's only 17 years old and still yet to play a uh, pro game, aside from a couple games this spring, but no official professional games yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just – it's all kind of uh, – through the grapevine stuff with him. I mean, I, obviously he looks good in the limited limited video that's out there and stuff, but uh, you know, we I think the the term five tool gets used way too often, but on paper he is a five tool guy and uh, you know, I think it's it's hit over power right now. The the hit tool is probably his his most uh, stable tool uh but you know most people think he's going to grow into impact power and right now he's a plus runner maybe, maybe the biggest question with him just for fantasy is how long he holds that plus speed because he's um you know he, he's not built like fernando tatis or anything like that where it's just you can just see how crazy athletic he is and how, how fast he is he's more kind of built like Jose Ramirez, uh, or at least, you know, maybe kind of projects to be built along those lines in like eight years. So it's just, you know, is he going to be a five category guy in his mid twenties, or is he just going to be a five category guy in his, in his early twenties? I think that's, um, kind of the, the one thing to sort of watch long-term, uh, obviously, I mean, he's, he's not a lock to hit, like, I mean, he, I assume the Brewers are going to send him to a pretty, like, he's been getting a lot of experience with players who are, like, five years older than him over this past year. But I assume they're going to send him to a pretty, like, an environment where they think he'll he'll hit the ground running because they definitely want to, um, you know, they don't they don't want to send him somewhere where he could, he could really fall flat. So I, I would expect him to perform early this year and then. Uh, you know, we'll just kind of see, but I mean, he, he has the tools to be a top 10 prospect, uh, by season's end if he really performs. And that's something that, uh, like I, you know, said this to other Brewers fans, like I, I can't remember the Brewers having a position player who was this exciting in the system, uh, really since Ryan Braun, 
Like they just, it hasn't been a, a system that's produced a ton of high end, uh, exciting big league position players. And he's, so it's, it's kind of a breath of fresh air for, for Brewers fans. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. You said Hedbert Perez's most stable tool is the hit tool. Well, now I'll bring you a word from stable duel. Uh, horrible segue. Uh, or or a uh, more amazing segue. Maybe. Maybe it qualifies. Uh, but baseball has always been America's pastime, but a close second is horse racing. And we've got the best way to, uh, to get in on the action. Stable duel. Brings a new way to play the races against your friends, similar to what we only know in fantasy football and baseball. You select your team or your stable of horses and compete against other stables for big bunny prizes. Watch your stable move up the leaderboard as your horses accumulate points based on where they finish the race. The app is free to download and they offer free games so you can learn how to play at zero risk. Don't know anything about horse racing? Don't worry. The app has all you need to know with free data on each horse's record, as well as a risk number, a speed number, and a value number for your best selections. This is the first game of its kind in horses racing, and you don't want to miss out. Download the Stable Duel app now and get in the game. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. So after Hedbert Perez, who is pretty exciting, still only 17 years old, uh, Garrett Mitchell, he was a 2020 draftee, but he's 22, so you have to think he's... Uh, much closer and a uh, good first impression this spring. It sounds like. Yeah, he was getting a lot of buzz, uh, probably as much, as much positive buzz as any of the hitters from this past draft class, just based on what he did in a, a small sample this spring. So I might, might bump him up a few spots on the, the update, but I still, I mean, the bigger question is just, uh, does he unlock his plus raw power in games? Uh, because that's, you know, I think the expectation is the Brewers are either going to overhaul his swing and try to get to that power, or they're going to leave him be and kind of let him be kind of a, a leadoff hitter type of guy. Because the the speed is is definitely big time, and the the defense, like I mean, he could play all five outfield spot or all three outfield spots. Um, so it's it's just kind of about where does the hit tool and the power go from here? Because right now he's he's just got this awesome contact stroke and he uses the whole field, but he's not necessarily looking to do damage a ton. So that's the, that's the main thing to watch with him. And the top ranked prospect here in this uh, Milwaukee Brewers system, Antoine Kelly, a lefty, not somebody I know much about a 2019 draftee. What can you tell us about Antoine Kelly? Uh, well, there was some pretty bad news about him um, from a few days ago. It, I guess he had thoracic outlet. Uh, syndrome surgery back in November and uh, we just found out about it uh, this you know this past week so he's going to be a follower on the next update Um, I I think he said that he's fine but he's not going to be ready for the start of the minor league season that's obviously a, a procedure that you know a lot of it's it's ruined some careers it's it's led to long uh, periods before a guy bounces all the way back. So uh, I think he's going to move outside the top 200. Um, probably going to stay inside the top 250 just because I do I do still think he's got a uh, really high ceiling. He's got a upper 90s fastball and uh, he's a, like he's a lefty. He's like a six foot six athletic lefty with 
a big time gas and he improved his secondaries at the alt site. Uh, so there's, there's still a lot to dream on there, but I mean, I don't think it's going to be all that productive of a full season debut for him this year due to the, due to the surgery. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's too bad to hear. Um, hate to hear that with a kid that young, especially given the track record of Jurassic Outlet. Um, hoping for the best for him. And Bryce Terang, he, he got an invite to big league camp. He's, he struggled uh, against major league pitching so far this spring, 120, average 148, 240 on uh, slugging. Uh, and you really don't expect to, to see him this year. No, I think that his number one job this year is to try to try to hit for a little bit more impact against upper level pitching and yeah, he's going to be able to play. He's maybe stretched a little at shortstop, but he could, he could be a plus defender at second base. And the only reason that he's ranked at all, like in the, in the top 200 is the, the plus speed, which, you know, his, he's going to have plus speed for the next six, seven years. And that's really appealing if he can hit enough to play every day. But right now he's kind of got the Nick Madrigal sort of approach, but without that ridiculous uh, contact skill. I mean, he's good, but he's not Nick Madrigal. So you really need him to find a way to tap into like 15 homer power, I think, for him to be an everyday player. Eduardo Garcia, the next ranked prospect here, shortstop 2018 J2 guy. Then Aaron Ashby is one of the four players you list here among the prospects we could see for Milwaukee in 2021. Usually, you know, I've been following along, of course, with this series of yours, Farm Futures, and usually more prospects listed here for each team. But uh, Aaron Ashby among a small group of players who could help Milwaukee this season. Yeah, it's a big weakness of this system. And probably, like, I think I would take this system over some of the ones in, like, the the NL East that we touched on uh, last week uh, just because of the upside on the position player side. But all the guys that you can get excited about in this system are over a year away, and in some cases they're, like, three years away. So uh, that's the big weakness of this system is there's just – there's not a lot that's, that's ready to help in 2021. Yeah, it looks like most of these guys are, you know, long-term projects. Anybody else, though, that we haven't touched on that you want to mention? Um, you know, one guy that, one guy that like, basically never gets talked about is David Hamilton, who they took in the 2019 draft, but he hadn't been able to make his pro debut due to injuries. But uh, he's even faster than Bryce Terang. And he, um, I think he showed well at, at instructs and he might head to like high A cause he, he's already, uh, 23. So he could be quick to the majors and he's got impact speed. So just, just a name to file away in those really deep leagues where all the, all the obvious guys are already rostered. And now we're on to the Pittsburgh pirates and for the Cubs, you mentioned 30 players here among the 129 NL central prospects. You'd need to know. Pittsburgh even more, 37. So how would you how would you grade this rebuild so far? Think they're doing a, an okay job? Um, well, if I you know, if I'm not grading on a curve, I would just give them like a C. I think they're doing about 
as expected. I think, like, I think the Cubs have, have done better with what they've um, moved. Like, I think they've really maximized uh, their return on, on some guys and they've really struck gold on the international market. And um, I mean, I think the pirates nailed the Nick Gonzalez pick in this past year. Uh, and I, I think they did really well um, in the uh, Starling Marte trade. Like I think getting Leo Piguero from Arizona was, was a, a really strong move, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily love what they got back from Musgrove and um, I know the market was very cold on Josh Bell being a, you know, first baseman who's a bad defender and everything, but uh, they didn't get a ton there either. And so I, I would just say they got a, they get like a C. I mean, they're, they're rebuilding really hard. They, they're bottoming out. So you'd expect them to have about this good of a system. You mentioned the Musgrove trade, a guy who I didn't know anything about, but he's making waves this spring. David Bednar? Um, yeah, I didn't, you know, I kind of curate that list of outlooks with your help and others, but David Bednar did not clear the bar to get an outlook this year, but I'll have to I'll probably have to write one up for him because apparently David Bednar is sneaking into that closer mix. Does that make you worry about your uh, Richard Rodriguez shares? Uh, I mean, I was, I'm just kind of worried about those shares. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. You got Nick Birdie uh, in your draft and hold, right? I'm maybe, I'm maybe more worried about my, like, or Kyle Brick shares. Crick. That's um, who I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, I, I should have just left that bullpen alone. That's, that's on me. Um, classic mistake. Hey, I I drafted Archie Bradley, and I don't think he's going to close. So. No, that's, that's what happens so. when you go digging for closers early. Yeah, I, I wish I'd grabbed. I, I thought uh, I I don't know if you saw it, but um, Jenny Butler had a had a tweet that really hit home. Um, I think she was basically like, I went back and looked at the teams I drafted two months ago. Like, who who drafts these bums or something like that? Like <laughs> yeah. when I when I, I look back too. at Jenny's back great. at like my teams that drafted back like before the new year and stuff like that. I'm just like, what? What the hell was I doing? Like, yeah, I was looking at like the magazine mock. I'm like, why am I drafting these guys? And even before <laughs> the reserves, like, what, what am I doing? But yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, obviously, drafting early, you're going to get some values, but my yeah, my, I mean, you, my hit rate on early closers is terrible. Bad. Like, well, the, yeah, you're gonna get. I mean, the the guys that I tend to nail in those early drafts are like the the cheap starting pitchers and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I mean, like I, I've got like Craig Kimbrell on just all kinds of teams that, <laughs> that drafted months ago. So well, that one may not be as bad as as others. Uh, Archie Bradley's gonna be probably really bad. <laughs> At least uh, Kimbrell will be in the role early. But uh, yeah, I. Um, <laughs> He'll be in the role just long enough to kill all my ratios, and then I'll take him out of it. Yeah, he'll light him on fire, then he'll <laughs> dip out. I'm pretty excited about Cabrian Hayes in this uh, pirate system. You mentioned Nick Gonzalez, Travis Swaggerty, great name. O'Neill Cruz, he really struggled in his look this spring, one for 20. Uh, big guy, long levers, and I, I mean, Aaron Judge has made it work, but that, with that big of a strike zone on the kid, 6'7", 
Um, just not a lot of track record of guys panning out who are that big. No, I mean, I, I think I've been lower on Cruz, uh, pretty much every step of the way in large part because of just the, the physical traits that you mentioned. Like, I mean, he's, he's rail thin and he's like six, eight, six, seven, and he's, you know, defensive homes, very unclear. Uh, at, at the very least, he was guilty of, uh, poor judgment uh, this past offseason and when he was in a, a tragic accident in the, the dr i believe and that's right yeah that's i yeah i mean i just he, he he's so hard to rank like he's one of the hardest of the, the hardest guys to rank are the guys who get to the majors and then like display some sort of flaw that you didn't anticipate uh but cruz is about as hard of a guy as there is to rank who has had as much professional experience as he has and hasn't reached the majors because uh, you can't. And, and I think it's one of the pitfalls maybe of relying too much on StatCast data with, with scouting because he'll put up these crazy exit velo numbers and uh, the consistency just isn't there at all, really. Uh, so I think there's going to be at, at best there's going to be a lot of swing and miss with a ton of power, and at worst, you know maybe he just kind of fizzles out. Um, so not not a guy that I'm personally very high on, and, and a guy that's really challenging to rank. The over Piguero, the fifth ranked prospect here, and then Quinn Priester, your top pitching prospect here um, in this Pittsburgh system. What can you tell about tell us about Quinn Priester's arsenal? Uh, what kind of pitches he throws and uh, the command with him? He's kind of a unique case. Uh, I think he's like kind of mostly sort of self-taught um, as an amateur, like watching uh, like YouTube videos and stuff like that. I did wow. not did not get high-end instruction. I think he's from the Midwest, so not like didn't come from like a baseball power or anything like that. Um, but very projectable and the pirates were banking on more velocity coming and and indeed it did i think he was touching i want to say he was touching 99 um maybe at at instructs if i if i remember correctly and then yeah it's just going to be about kind of building out um the rest of that repertoire staying healthy i mean he's i don't like him as much as matthew allen but I would say a lot of the same things about him that I would Alan, where it's just, you got to kind of cross your fingers and hope that he gets to the big leagues before uh, some bad arm injury comes calling. Yeah. That's always a danger. It's always something on your mind with pitching prospects, but high praise uh, from you for Quinn, Quinn Priester. So that's good. Good for pirates fans. And then Jared Oliva is a guy who we've talked about here and there over the past couple of years. A speedy guy, and that's kind of the main selling point in fantasy. He did not hit in his first cup of coffee. And it looks like he's already – he actually just got optioned down a couple of days ago. So I had not seen that. But um, he'll have to bide his time a little bit, Jared Oliva. Yeah, it's a, he's in a tough spot because he. I just – I love the speed. And I think he might – I think he could maybe figure it out if they gave him – like 300, 400, 500 plate appearances. 
I just I worry they're not going to give him the a long enough leash to really kind of show what he can do. You know, he didn't this uh, this new regime did not draft him. Obviously, they're not tied to him really at all. Uh, there's not a ton of power there. Like he's kind of more fantasy over reality type of prospect. So I, I think they might kind of pigeonhole him into like a fourth outfield role and then he would kind of just have to force the issue from there. Yeah, that's that's kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, maybe the bat doesn't warrant a, an everyday spot. Anybody else here you want to mention? Hudson Head, uh, Kanan Smith, uh, Najiba, and Mason Martin rounding out your top ten here for the Pirates. Um, we can we can probably move on. All right, well, 30 prospects you wrote up for the Cubs, 37 for the Pirates, 19 only for the Cards. Um, the system doesn't doesn't look so hot, James. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, they did trade away to get Arenado, but it's not like they gave up uh, many big-time they pieces. Didn't, they didn't give away many guys who would have been ranked in <laughs> in this article. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, I don't. I don't. They didn't trade a single guy who would have cracked their top ten for me to get Arenado, and it's a bad system to boot. So, um, yeah, I think that that's just a a hilarious trade. Uh, I mean, it was kind of reminiscent, I guess, of sort of the package the Yankees gave up to get Giancarlo Stanton, uh, but probably not even that good. I mean, I guess well, Austin Gomber. Is probably better than anyone the Yankees gave up to get Stanton, but with him going to Colorado, it's like who cares? And hmm. so I, I mean, this system once once Dylan Carlson graduates and he's going to graduate uh, probably within the first week of the season, uh, this could I mean it's got a case for being certainly a bottom three system, maybe the worst system in all of baseball at that point. I love that the Cardinals have scarred me for too long, so I want them to see. <laughs> I want to see them go through a cold stretch. Uh, Carlson, I'm pretty excited about. And, you know, um, our buddy Scott Jen said, when he talks, people listen. And he was pumping up uh, my boy Nick Senzel recently. And we saw Nick Senzel get some helium in those early main events. And then he was talking up Carlson. I expect Carlson to get a, a pretty big jump. I had him on my list for tonight, but uh, I think I had him just outside the top 100. I don't know if we'll even get him there. Or you know, I've been, I'm not even, I've been ending up with them everywhere. That's good. And and I haven't even last night. Yeah. Nice. And I have I I feel like I'm not even reaching for him. I he's usually just kind of sitting there around pick like 145, 150, and I'm all about it because the the playing time's there. I think there's going to be five category production there. So uh, I saw him get a homer the other day. Just crushed. And the bat just looks amazing. We should talk quickly about Senzel because um, I just – I'm kind of uh, not buying it, but I also haven't really watched him at all this spring. So are you, are, you, are you buying in? I'm glad you feel that way because I'm kind of the same way. I'm not really buying <laughs> it either. Something's just missing. And I was a little surprised he was getting helium in the main, but I guess that's just kind of the speed. He does have some speed still, but 
some some piece of the puzzle just hasn't been there for Senzo. I just don't trust him at all. Like I I don't trust him. I don't trust him to hit, and I don't trust him to be available. Yeah. And, and like if he was going outside the top two hundred, I'd be like sure. But just outside the top one hundred, I I don't know. I mean, I kind of get it in that you kind of got to squint and see some plausible upside. And you had a pedigree as a number two overall pick and a lot of hype coming up through the system. But so far, he's just done nothing. And it, it's looked a little lost. I was thinking back about, because, I mean, you're right. He was obviously very highly touted as a prospect. But uh, that his draft class was one of the worst in recent memory. And I wonder if him just being the only guy who performed from that class initially in pro ball uh, just kind of aided his ascent up prospect rankings because, you know, like Moniac and and uh, Corey Ray and all these guys, like they all just quickly fizzled out as prospects. And Senzel, like it's not like Senzel was Ronald Acuna in the minors. Like he was just kind of steady and he was always – Hurt. Maybe a year or two older uh, than you'd like a prospect to be at each level he was at. So, I it's easy to say in hindsight, but I feel like maybe he was a little overrated the whole time while he was a prospect. But uh, it it also baseball is really hard, and sometimes it takes guys till they're twenty five to for tall click and everything. But I it's to me it's more about the availability i just yeah. i don't trust him to i don't trust him to play much more than 100 games yeah he's been dinged up one thing after another and yeah so that, i'm actually glad to kind of relieved. i mean i i'm hoping for a good season but i i'm glad we're not going to have to be you know really put in a in a position where we have to seriously consider you know do we want to take on that sort of injury risk uh i love scott jenstead by the way and i think well, we're not on well, he, the Senzel I mean, train. He, we're on the Carlson train. Yeah, he, Scott. You know, if you're looking to take main main event advice, um, probably should take it from Scott before you take it from us. I just I wanted <laughs> yeah, to no, that's so I wanted true. to touch on Senzel because I just I can't quite get there. Um, but yeah, I respect the hell out of him. Yeah, I'm just with you. I'm not quite there, but Carlson, I'm all about. If we can get him. Um, I'd love that. I, I hope we can. Obviously, you know, you're doing a, a draft. You're going to watch a ton of your targets get taken. But um, I can dream a few hours out. We're, what, about three hours out from the main? I'm going to go into a food coma after this, but then I'll wake up in time. In in the, the main I did last night, dude, I, I'm not I'm not joking. Like, I think Scott and I, or um, Todd and I went. We didn't get our first pick. We wanted like we wanted a handful of pitchers in the second round, and we didn't get them. And we settled for your your nemesis, Brandon Woodruff. Um, so we didn't <laughs> it didn't it didn't play out the way we wanted it to in the second round. But basically, from then on, we got our targets in almost every round until until we were looking for our first bench outfielder, and wow. then we just got we just got sniped on <laughs> just like. <laughs> <laughs> three or four guys like after pick 350 and it had just it was like the first time we'd been sniped all night so either oh, i'm thing, surprised to hear that in a main event i was too i mean it was the easiest main event draft i've had which maybe just means that 
our valuations were just way off on these guys and we drafted a terrible <laughs> team, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not usually a good sign. Usually I do better in the leagues. I feel bad about coming out. Um, it's kind of weird how that works. Uh, but just ra- wrapping up our convo here, James, Nolan Gorman's going to be, you know, seen a lot of time at second now, right? He was already doing that this spring, but his path is now blocked at third base. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, uh, the comp, I, I did a pod with uh, our buddy Chris Welsh last week that I'd recommend you go check out on, on Prospect One. And basically the, the comp I came up with for Nolan Gorman is uh, Max Muncy without the OBP. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so a low batting average guy with some power and also a low OBP. He's, he's probably got, you know, he's raw power wise he might he might have muncie beat but i mean muncie when muncie connects he can hit it a long way uh, yeah, but can. yeah like I, like 240 245 with like 30 maybe maybe mike Mustakis is just the cop or something like that um yeah but i mean yeah, if a player turns out to be mike mike Mustakis, that's not the end of the world i mean he's fine uh, and that's just kind of the, you have to keep your prospect expectations kind of in check like that like a guy turns out to be Mustakis, that's not it's not like a huge bust or anything. No. Uh, Mason Wynn, you have shortstop and right-handed pitcher, so you don't see that often here on your your uh, farm futures. Two-way guy, Mason Wynn? Yeah, he is incredibly tooled up, and my biggest hope of him is that he just scraps pitching ASAP because he's like 5'11", 6 feet, and he's he's got a couple easy plus pitches, but he's also a plus runner. He's got plus raw power. He's uh he's gonna stick at shortstop. So I mean he's kind of the Otani of the minors in that he's just incredibly talented on both sides of the ball. And for fantasy, I mean we've seen how frustrating it's been to to roster Otani in, in the vast majority of formats. I don't think anyone wants to really have to play that game with win. So I'd love I'd love it if I think like if he really hits in his pro debut, that might uh, lead to the Cardinals just saying let's just go with this guy as our our shortstop of the future. But uh, if he scuffles at the plate or something, which certainly I wouldn't be surprised if that happens either. If he's trying to pitch and hit, uh, then maybe they would go the other way and just say let's have him focus on on developing as a pitcher. So. Uh, his value could really fluctuate in in a big way over these next couple of years. I mean, he he's got enough upside as a position player to be like a top ten prospect someday. But I, you know, the the two way thing does sort of scare me if I've got him in dynasty because it's just you you don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, you'd almost if you're a dynasty manager just just say commit to one way. In uh, Otani, I had him down on our prep list among secondary target like secondary options if we miss out on one of our prime targets are you with me on that are you uh buying in on what we're seeing from otani or is the headache just are you going to overrule me on that one? Oh man you're welcome know. to do I... that as much as you want tonight by the way <laughs> just say no you dumb dummy i he's just so frustrating man like i he's he's so talented but i just don't want to have to deal with it every week where you just you know you're gonna leave some amazing starts on your bench you know you're gonna leave some like awesome position player weeks on your bench 
Yeah, that's and, true. That's almost I, worse than like having to deal with the management, just knowing you're going to leave some stats on the bench. I mean, it's yeah. maddening. And he, like, do you trust him to stay healthy all season? Like, I don't. Yeah, probably not. He has been the, awesome this spring, but I. He's yeah, definitely right. the most talented. He's the most talented baseball player alive. Like I, I don't even think that's really debatable. Like I mean, who who else can do what he can do on the on the field? Like n- nobody. So yeah, it's, that's frustrating, frustrating that he's reasons, not more appealing yeah. in fantasy. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, like that frustration, like that would just kill my love of a of a team. Like if I'm leaving. Like, oh, this team's doing well, but I just missed out on a two-homer game from Otani, or oh, I just and missed out on a f- six-inning 11K gem or something. Yeah, you and you see everyone like celebrating it on Twitter, and you're yeah, just like, oh, God, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. I didn't. I can't join the party. It's like that meme where like that SpongeBob guy's like looking out the window, and the other. Uh, I didn't watch SpongeBob as a kid, but I I, uh, I get the memes. Anything else you want to mention today, James? I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this main tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, me too. I, uh, I assume nobody in our league is going to listen to this before the draft. Um, <laughs> and even if they do, I don't think we divulge too much. My Sunday one, apparently I'm drafting with Lindy Hinkleman, who I've never had the I've, pleasure of meeting, but apparently heard, he's like a I've legend. I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard a few things. <laughs> He's only won the main event like twice, or yeah. I think he won the main Did event and the, the in the same year. Yeah, that and he's that, like a, a ghost almost. Not like you know, maybe not a ghost, but he's like a a legend that kind of scares you. You know, like it's not like a a good legend that's uh, friendly. Friendly, right, he's like yeah, a I mean, scary he, ghost. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I've heard he's he's a great guy. Uh, Vlad or Vlad Sedler wrote a a nice uh, piece about him um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, to be clear. Yeah. I mean, does he, does he go to like first pitch Arizona? I mean, obviously not to learn anything, but um, does he go to, does he socialize or anything? Yeah, He doesn't need, he needs to be like teaching at first pitch or <laughs> presenting there. If I have met him, I'm sorry. I, I just don't, I don't believe I have. Uh, but I have heard he's a very nice guy. It's just, I mean, we win the main event and the OC overall in the same year. That's, I mean, that's scary. I don't get, I don't get intimidated by Vinny. Are there any other, are there any other Hall of Famers in your, your There circle? are. Greg, Greg mentioned, let me see who the other one Greg mentioned. Um, he said, Lindy's in there. Uh, Gecko. I've seen that guy on Twitter a few times, but I don't really know yeah. who he is. Um, I don't even know if that's his real name. Well, I doubt it is. But it's uh, he, he. Greg said, you know, no main event league is easy, and I'm up for the challenge. You know, it's um, it'll be a good except, learning experience if I get my butt kicked, which will almost the certainly happen. I was in, the league I was in last night was easy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have told Greg to move me to that one. All right, James, great stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. <laughs>
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.